here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, I'm Chloe Ferreira from Mice Chat, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Doug Barnes of the Season Pass Podcast and the Mice Chat Podcast, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, I'm Robert Coker of Super 78 and the Season Pass Podcast, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Dusty Sage with MiceChat.com, and we're here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. If you're heading off to Disney and don't know where to start, click yourself over to MiceChat and you're out of the time. They take the dizzy out of Disney for you and for me. Head back and face forward because it's Mice Chat Month on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast, celebrating Mice Chat Month with Dusty Sage, Doug Barnes, Chloe Ferreira, and Robert Coker. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, David Cantu and Jenna Gissel. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's Mice Chat Month right here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast, and I'm David Cantu. I'm Jenna Gazelle. And welcome. We are really happy to have you all here today to celebrate a wonderful organization, Mice Chat. They do incredible news, all Disney insider information on through YouTube, through regular videos, and podcasts, social, podcasts, social media posts. Any way you get your news, Mice Chat has you covered, and they do an incredible job with they do incredible events we've got a very special guest to close out our final episode of mice chat month right here on the podcast we've got the one and only dusty sage who founded mice chat and he is just a wonderful man wonderful friend very honored to have him on the podcast i have to tell you jen they do an incredible gumball rally oh yeah i, I love the gumball rally this year that we got to participate in and the trophy <laughs> i think the trophy was the best part i wish we could have gotten they the do trophy. an incredible special theme trophy it's almost like a little park in a park is where like this year it was like what a water slide it, no this year it was the jungle cruise oh that's theme. right that's and they did a jungle cruise little boat the whole like hippopotamus and all the stuff that goes in with the jungle cruise with gumballs <laughs> added to it and you know what i was like sitting there trying to figure out like okay what is the gumball rally because i'd never heard of it before andrew and you had brought it up to me i was like okay so what are we what it what is is it and it, you guys were like oh it's a scavenger hunt and i was like do, are, like do we have to f- answer questions of like when rides open like what it was all clues it, you get a booklet you get two, like multiple booklets you have to complete and you it's strictly disneyland you're not allowed to be on your phones or any, any any electronic device you have to spend the day and no fast pass list. no fast pass you have to stand in general line you go in teams and you go on this scavenger hunt all throughout disneyland you have to get on as many rides as you can in 
in a day and you have to find certain clues and if you get it right you get points for every ride you do and every clue you've answered you get them wrong you get minus points and that really hurts it is just such a really fun and so many people get involved in this hundreds and hundreds of people get involved in this event every year and dusty is on the on the show today with andrew and he's pretty much going to talk probably more about the gumball rally but in the meantime for those that really want to know what the gumball rally is all about well we've got a very special clip from dusty that they had from this year's gumball rally basically it's a highlight of this year's gumball rally so take a listen but we are here and there is a rally and i have to tell you all it is the most amazing event that we have ever planned for you everyone crossing right there that's the whole squad we're crossing over here. This is gonna be fantastic. Oh yeah, it'll so be excited. Awesome. Let's go, guys. Let's go ride some rides, man. People ask us all the time, what is the gumball rally? And let me just start by this. You've seen all our Jungle Cruise imagery and all of that. And here's what's going on with the Jungle Cruise, folks. There is an evil genie loose at Disneyland. The Jungle Cruise skippers have decided that the only way they can thwart his evil plans is if they take over the running of the entire park. The Gumball Rally is a competition of the biggest Disney fans to see who can ride the most rides in one day. There are literally so many teams competing right now There's for the so Gumball nice Rally Cup. They're so excited because it's a pretty cool trophy and they want the bragging yeah. rights. I love win. the competitive energy and just the fun. It's just so fun. Because one of the rules of the Mice Chat Gumball Rally is that you can't use your phones. That you can't utilize Disney Genie. You can't do lightning lanes. You no. You can't do like mobile ordering, and right? you can't look up the answers to the questions. Exactly. So they have a very strict no phones policy for those reasons. Right. But obviously we're allowed to use our phones because we're talking to you right now. so many teams and everyone was so happy to be there and we were just having the best day ever. Alright, now we're heading over to get the big group photo. This um, is going to be awesome. You guys are going to see all the people that are actually here for the rally, right Kara? Oh yeah, you're going to see everyone. It's going to be a big group. It's a lot of people, so you're going to love it. It's, it's a huge group photo. It's going to be awesome. There were over 400 participants, and they all showed up for the group photo. After the group photo, we switched books and still had seven more hours to ride. Oh, 
This has been one epic competition. I cannot wait to see who the winner is. Oh my gosh. And you know what? There was some pretty stiff competition too. There was. People were, I mean, worked so hard for this. They're but really good at this. Let's go. Eric's behind the camera. Run. To me, one of the coolest parts of the Gumball Rally is the fact that like you're running through the park and you run into people wearing these badges you and you- see anyone wearing you, a badge. You instantly know, oh yeah. And like, hey, you're doing the you're competition. Doing the same you're thing. instantly friends. It's like walking around the park and just knowing everybody. It's very cool. It's very cool. It's such a fun day. It's such a good community. And time, oh, time to walk. All right, time to go. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're running to put, turn in our packets, but man, what a great day. What a day. We'll see if we won. I know. I can't wait to see if we won. Oh, I will tell you, this year's gumball rally was a lot of fun. I want to do it again. Yeah, I definitely plan on returning next year to do the gumball rally. And I highly recommend everybody out there to do this. If you have an opportunity to come to Disneyland, they usually do it in February. I highly recommend you guys check out the Mice Jack gumball rally. And for more, because we just did partial of the clip. If you guys want to see more about this, we will put the link in our show notes as a YouTube video that you can be able to watch just to see how much fun it is. But Andrew is standing by with our special guest who founded Mice Jack and is also the person who has created the Gumball Rally, which is really awesome. We got Dusty Sage on the podcast today. Really looking forward to this interview, Jen. So take it away, Andrew. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. And today we have a very special guest. I'd like to welcome to the podcast the founder of Mice Chat. Welcome to the podcast. Dusty Sage. Oh my goodness. Here, here I am. This is like a thrill ride. I'm so excited to be with you. You can't, you, you would never understand. I love your show and I was so honored to hear from you that I was being invited on. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Dusty. Well, you were in the Mice Chat podcast and Season Pass which is part of the Mice Pod network of podcasts. We'll talk about later more about that. Those are the very two first podcasts I ever started listening to about four years ago. So, Oh, you're making me feel yeah. old. <laughs> well, just four years, so that's not too bad. Let's uh, let's start off here. I've already talked a little bit about yourself, but why don't you get a little more detail, talk about yourself, and specifically the work that you do that relates to the theme park industry. Well, it's wild because I don't know how any of this happened, but it did. I... Uh, I started my theme park love and career way back in um, the early 80s in Kansas City at Worlds of Fun. And I became obsessed with this park. And it was in the days before it was built by, uh, or owned by Cedar Fair. They bought it out later and added a whole bunch of coasters and things. And I immediately started getting involved in finding out more about theme parks in general and coasters and rides. And that's what led me to move to California to be close to Disneyland. I had visited once as a child. And I just knew the day I graduated from college, I was just going to take what few things I owned and move to California to be closer to the theme park. So I'm one of those crazies that has moved, you know, across country to be closer to the theme park world. But I never did get to work for Disney because almost immediately I got involved in other projects. And along the way, I've saved Walt Disney's birthplace in Chicago. That's now a nonprofit that'll be protected for all time. And through that, I met Dick Van Dyke. I 
run his nonprofit for the performing arts. Through that, met a gentleman that owned Walt Disney's last surviving mansion, the castle up on the hills in the Hollywood Hills. And it's just stunning. And I'm the uh, sort of historian and curator of Walt Disney's storybook mansion. But I also do other things. I do a lot of marketing and PR for companies that make animatronics for the industry and write the theme music for some of the rides, as well as some of the hotels and restaurants around the theme parks in, uh, around Disneyland and in Orlando. Everything I do has some sort of synergy with theme parks. Uh, it's just the honor of my life to be able to do these kinds of things, you know, shows like yours and uh, working with all of the great people in the industry and helping get their stories out. Awesome. That's great. And I already knew a lot about about you because I've known you for a long time and I've, you know, again, listened to the podcast for a long time and follow Mike's chat and the newsletter and the website and everything else, Facebook and, and whatnot. But the one thing that was new news to me there, which is interesting, so you compose music. I don't. I work with, uh, I do marketing and PR for a company that writes music for the theme park. Oh, so okay. I just... I help them find jobs and promote themselves and ring the bell for them when they have a big win. Got it. Okay. That's still really cool though. That's you work with a really cool company in that regard. Nice. That's awesome. That's, right. That's awesome. You mentioned worlds of funds. Take me back. We're going to go hop in the uh, theme park time machine. Take me back to the 1980s. <laughs> Take me back to the 1980s and tell me what was the first theme park attraction you ever did, whatever rode? In the early days, even as a little kid, I was always a chicken. So I would ride rides like the taxi ride at worlds of fun which was just like the Autopia, but in old-fashioned taxis. And then they had a ride called the Zulu, which you sit in a little cab and it, it does go it's like a multiple looping thing just goes around and around and around but you go upside down and I loved it and that gave me the confidence to start writing some classic attractions I don't know if anyone will remember but they had this beautiful ride called the Zambezi Zinger and it was the smoothest coaster I'd ever been on it didn't have any loops but it went through a jungle you could reach out and touch the trees it had no lap bar and no door you just sat on a bench sort of like the Matterhorn and if you wanted to fall out or jump out, you easily could. <laughs> and I think because of that, you know, as theme parks started getting safer, they eventually shut down that ride and they put in a wooden roller coaster. But way back in the day, one of the first looping coasters in Kansas City, and it, to this day, re sticks out in my mind as being one of the best rides ever, and it's sadly gone now, was the Orient Express. It had two <laughs> loops and a corkscrew. And at the time, that was, you know, one of the most advanced coasters in the world. It was the 80s. My grandfather was a politician in some small town in Kansas and they invited us out and I was so excited because they gave us barf bags and packets of Tylenol, little Instamatic cameras so we could take pictures of how distressed we were when we got off. That's how they set it up. And I got off, I must have ridden that thing all night long. It was amazing. It really did help cement my later career in working with the theme park industry. It was just such a magical experience. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Some interesting rides, some old rides in there. So it sounds like the Orient Express, that was the first kind of big kind of adult coaster you did? Oh, absolutely. That was the first really big multiple looping coaster. They had another one before that called the Scream Roller, which was one of the first looping co coasters in a major theme park in America. <laughs> and eventually they transformed it into a standing looping roller coaster. Remember when right. they did that? They converted <laughs> all the looping roller oh, coasters yeah. into standing coasters and then somebody fell out in some theme park somewhere and they started removing them. But yeah, the, the that was my early life in the theme parks was riding the big 
big coasters at Worlds of Fun. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, Orient Express, that was a kind of the heyday of kind of these bigger looping coasters. Just the ones you sit down in, nothing special, you know, like the modern ones that are, you know, on below the track or on the sides of the track or, or whatnot. But, but Orient Express was kind of one of your basic looping coasters, multiple looping coasters built in the 1980s. And that was built by a very famous company called Aerodynamics. Who's no longer in business, but you probably heard of them. They're the ones that built the original Space Mountain. They built the Matterhorn at Disneyland. They built most of the coasters that were built, almost all of the steel coasters that were built up until the very late 80s, early 90s, for like 95% of them. And the Orient Express is one of those. So that's that's a classic coaster that's uh, been gone now for about almost 20 years. Yeah, interesting there. Okay, so so there are definitely some interesting first rides there back in the 1980s and even, even earlier there and whatnot. But so tell me about... The one theme park attraction, now it might have been at Worlds of Fun, or it might have been later, it could have been yesterday, but which theme park attraction has scared you the most up to this point in your life? So it happened recently. Okay. Um, on a recent trip to Orlando, I went all the way out there because they opened the new uh, Velocicoaster at yes. Island Adventure. I wasn't sure I was going to do it, but they had recently also had a new coaster called uh, the Hagrid one, the Motorbike. Motorbike Adventure, yes. Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. Longest which name really ever. Stands, which really stands out as one of the most incredible coasters that I've ever been on. So much fun. And I thought, well, the Velocicoaster is going to be just like it. I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> And I get on this thing, there's no over-the-shoulder restraints, and it loops like crazy, and they had me wait for the front row. I don't think I've ever been more scared on a roller coaster. I got off, and immediately, you know, one of the ride operators recognized me, and he's like, Dusty, Dusty, you want to ride again? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. But every, everybody in my party did, and I got to stand on the platform in the back and watch them come back in but it is an amazing coaster but terrifying <laughs> i'm i'm laughing in part here and uh david is of course as he always is in the background producing the show i'm sure he's smacking his head as appropriately speaking because uh lost coaster is a very big topic on this podcast <laughs> here's david giving the thumbs up on the zoom here lost coaster has been a very big topic on this podcast here in our very first year by the way dusty this is just our first year of our show we're just getting started because you know we got started back in march we released our first episode, I think it was late March. And I live in Orlando, as I think you know. I rode Velocicoaster for the very first time, you know, this spring before it actually opened to the public. And I've now ridden it. Uh, my tally is up to 82 times. It's my home park at Islands Adventure, my favorite park in the world. And I'm there all the time. And I Velocicoaster is my number one. I love it. So I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll reflect a little bit more when we talk about the, the fear aspect of things. But I totally get it because it's, it's just a lap bar. There's no over-the-shoulder restraints, which is great for comfort. But also for someone that's could be prone to being scared of a ride like that, which is understandable and intimidated. Yeah, you only got that lap bar there. It's crazy. So and certainly given some of the um, elements that that coaster goes through, I totally get where you're coming from. So I totally can understand. <laughs> but it, and, I appreciate uh, yeah. <laughs> it. It's beautiful. I mean, it's smooth and it goes over the water and it has such surprising elements. You do feel like you're being chased by those, you know, digital velociraptors that are chase you out of the launch. It, it has so many amazing elements. The queue is awesome, but God, Gosh, I you know I don't know what in my head I was thinking it's just going to be like Hagrid's. <laughs> but well, the people I the people I was with, including the fabulous Chloe Ferraria, she told me it was going to be a little less extreme than it was. She said, "Oh, you're going to love it. It's a universal poster." <laughs> 
So tell me this, after riding Velocicoaster, because obviously when we talk about fears on rides, it's not necessarily, you know, you have a fear of this ride and then you don't have a fear again. I mean, I believe that you that I that you can get to some point and you being the general with you. For example, I pretty much feel like I've gotten to the point now with all the coasters I've been on where I don't really get scared of going on a coaster anymore or any kind of theme park ride. It's like, I'll, I'll just go on it because I've, I've just conquered so much. It took a lot to get me where I'm at now. You know, it used to be maybe even a 10 years ago, five years ago, I'd been on already a few hundred coasters by that point, but still some things may intimidate me a little bit, maybe a little bit nervous. I know you've been riding coasters for a while now and all kinds of rides covering the park. Given that you see Velocicoaster as being the scariest one yet, would you say that riding Velocicoaster and conquering it in the front row, which is pretty scary also on top of that, did that impact your life in any way? Did you feel differently afterwards? Absolutely. You know, I I have this feeling about a lot of different experiences, coasters, mazes and haunted houses and that kind of thing. When you challenge yourself to do something that's a little outside the norm, and I'm I'm getting to be a little older now, certain extreme coasters, I mean, they play havoc, you know, on my equilibrium and, you know, they make me dizzy and so forth. So I can't just ride just any coaster anytime. I like to ride just about anything once just to prove it to myself that I can. And because I have FOMO, I have a fear of missing out. I want to ride Velocicoaster and the Hulk, you know, for the first time, you know, I have to do that because I have to prove to myself that just because I'm getting older doesn't mean I can't do it. Maybe I shouldn't do it a lot, but I'm going to do anything once unless they tell me I can't. (laughs) And I'm the same way, you know, I do get scared on the ride still. I do get scared when I go into a haunted house, but I do them anyway. A little bit like you, the more you do something, the more you know what to expect, expect the less scary it is, but that doesn't mean I completely lose my fear throughout my entire life. I've had a fear of heights, for example, but that didn't stop me from going to the top of the Empire State Building. Yes, I crawled to the window literally on my knees at one point to look down and see, you know, how far below me the street was. I had to make myself do it because I don't want to let my fears get the better of me. And it sounds like, you know, each coaster is different. You know, there are some that are literally clones of each other, but as you go on, at least each new coaster type of coaster for the first time you haven't experienced that design before whatnot so it sounds like what you're saying is is you're kind of building up your repertoire your your experience level where you kind of there's less unknowns for you when you get on that next ride yes there are some famous videos of me that people could go research on the mice chat youtube channel it's it's youtube.com slash mice chat but a lot of theme parks have me go now and they'll put the camera on me just because i am so afraid (laughs) that it looks as though i might stroke out and die in the middle of the ride. SeaWorld, when they had their their new coaster, and it's a continuous loop coaster, and I wish I could remember the name of it down in San Diego. Electric Eel. Uh, that's it. It told me to come at some ungodly hour in the morning. I'm like, oh, I think I'll come later in the day. They're like, no, we really need you to come first. And they wanted me to be one of the very first people on, so I wouldn't know exactly what to expect because they were afraid I wouldn't get on. And they wanted video of me shrieking in horror. Um, <laughs> and of course, all the you know ace guys, the coaster enthusiasts were in the rows behind me they they were the seat fillers and they were all chanting you know come on dusty you could do it you know go 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 and i'm like what is going on you know what's happening oh my gosh i i still you know even thinking back on it my heart starts racing and then knots right afterwards with hang time same exact kind of situation you know i was with friends no over the shoulder restraint looking straight down and not seeing the track below you those are the kinds of moments that (laughs) terrify me but it doesn't stop me from doing it that's awesome i love the attitude 
gratitude. I'm glad you brought up electric eel, Dusty, because uh, here you and I are talking and we have David, as I mentioned earlier, he is with us on the Zoom here and he's always in the background producing. He's got his, his um, mic on mute here. But David and I met in the middle of 2018, in May of 2018. So it's uh, you know a few years ago now, almost four years ago now or so. And we met as both as ACE members, we went to an ACE event at SeaWorld San Diego and we were not hired. We were volunteers. We weren't paid, but we were brought in again early in the morning, gave us breakfast so that we could fill seats on their brand new coaster so that whenever filming was going on with folks like yourself in the front row and where you got the POV camera on you and whatnot and the worst POV camera looking at you and everyone in behind you, uh, that way the coasters filled up. So they get these quote unquote brave ACE riders to ride the coaster again and again. But David and I didn't know each other. He lived in LA. I lived in San Diego time. So right before I moved here to Orlando, we just happened to be two ACE members there. We were, you know, going online for the ride. You get on it right away because there's not, there's only ACE members there. You know, it's not a lot of people. It's it's like basically what we call in the coaster enthusiast community, ERT, exclusive ride time. Mm-hmm. That's what these events become. You can, you get to ride the coaster, you know, a dozen, two dozen times in a few hours. And so we were just making our ways around, not knowing each other. And we just happened to be next to each other in line at one point. And we start talking and a friendship was born and not just a friendship, but a partner partnership with me a few months later starting to help out with the coaster challenge uh youtube channel at that time we were video based and switched to podcast here back in 2020 here you know last season here was our first season as I mentioned earlier well david and i we had already started talking to each other and we decided to start riding together we rode electric eel a few times rode some other rides there manta which is a great great launch coaster as well it's been there for a while but uh, we were still riding electric eel one of our rides together was in row two behind the the current um person that was there for the media I recognized you, Dusty, because I'd already been to a couple was of those that, you? that was David and I. And I was like, Dusty, you can do it because I knew how nervous you were. Oh, my God. That- you know, I remember that moment. That's why I brought it up. I had no idea that was you. I mean, this is a, such a, it is a small world after small world. all. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, that's I love stories like this. And I have other coaster store coaster related or theme park related stories, which are small world running into people or meeting people halfway around the world at Shanghai Disneyland that become like great friends of mine and things like that. And just crazy, crazy stories. So one of the things I love about the social nature of being a theme park fan or a coaster fan. But yeah, David and I, we started our friendship there. And you know, I had already met you before. I had been to a couple of Mice Chat events prior to that. We'll talk more about some Mice Chat events later here in a few minutes. But you know, I just recognized you and I I knew you were nervous on coasters from the podcast and from meeting you. And so, yeah, you know, I'm a positive person. I like to encourage people. Yeah, that was myself with David next to me. And here the three of us are. It's, it's, it's like meant to be. This is awesome. This is awesome. You helped get me through. You have no idea. With Velocicoaster, I'm assuming you were holding on, right? To the. So they told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, really? and then by the time I'm like flailing around and trying to find something to hold on to, Chloe had said, you know, for this to be really fun, because the launch coast, you know, like you just have to put your hands up and, you know, enjoy the freedom of it. And I'm like, okay. And they had been distracting me. and We go right inside, you know, into the queue. So I didn't really see hey. what was going on. I had no clue. Like I literally went into <laughs> this thing just un, uh, you know, completely not expecting what was going to happen. That's yeah, crazy. So I wasn't wow. holding on wow. for, for quite a while. Like I was was like flailing about trying to find something because I was sure I was going to fall out and die. <laughs> so you never wound up holding on the whole ride. Oh, I eventually found something eventually, to hold on to. Yes. Eventually and, and, then, and then afterwards tried to choke the person that I was riding with. <laughs> I can't believe you did that to me. 
<laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So kind of taking a step backwards, kind of, you know, 10,000 foot level, you know, beyond just fear specifically. Thank you for sharing how riding coasters and these extreme rides and Velocicoaster most recently, how it, how it's kind of helped you in your life and how you've kind of improved your ability to deal with that unknown, which is so powerful, such a good thing to be able to do. Talk about just in general, because obviously you, more than a lot of people, you know, you're living around the parks a lot. You're covering the parks and, and working related, you do work related to the parks and whatnot. How have theme parks in general throughout your life had a significant positive impact on you? Well, it is my whole life. I, as a child, everything I did was to be able to have more time at Worlds of Fun when I was younger. And then once I moved to California, it was entirely to be near Disneyland. It really has shaped my entire life. And when you're younger and you go to a theme park uh, like Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm or any theme park, people don't question you about it. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's fun. He's going to a theme park. But when you get older, like I am, now they really start to judge you <laughs> like you're going where didn't you just go there yesterday or last week i think the fact that it has become my career cuz everything i do is in some way related to Disney or a theme park somewhere. It, so it is my entire life. It hasn't just shaped my life or formed my life. It is my life. When I'm not enjoying a theme park, I'm writing about a theme park or in some way helping a company make a theme park attraction or preserving the history of people that make theme park attractions, you know, like Legendary Imagineers or Walt Disney. So my whole life has in one way or another been about theme parks. I am not embarrassed by that. You know, at, at one point in my life, I used to try to hide it from people. One of the reasons I you know I go by Dusty Sage is obviously not my real name, but that all stemmed from, you know, this earlier time on the internet where people, one, didn't use their real names, but two, I didn't want people to necessarily know my real name because I was a little bit embarrassed about the fact that I spent so much time in theme park. And at oh. the time, I was a professional um, at a major telecommunications company, and I was a senior executive of a major well-known telecommunications company, it, my boss pulled me aside one day and said, you know, you probably shouldn't be telling people that you're going to Disneyland as often as you do. So, and I realized that in that world, it was seen as a negative, that it diminished me and, and all my accomplishments in that industry that I was going to theme park. I used my real name in the telecom world, and then I used Dusty Sage in the theme park world. But today, everything I do is theme park, and nobody cares what my real name is because <laughs> I started as Dusty Sage way back when. So now, you know, when people say, well, what do I call you? I always say Dusty because I'm really proud to be Dusty Sage and to love the theme parks. Right. That's that's very interesting. I always kind of wondered, it wasn't on my list of questions here, but I was kind of wondering, I wonder why he has like a stage name or, or, a, se or a separate name. Because I was, I'm aware of, of your, you know, the, the, your real name and what you won't mention your name is <laughs> he, well known as for Dusty He who Sage. shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, he who shall not be named. That's right. That's right. Let's talk about Mice Chat. Obviously, we, that's one of the things we want to get into here. Talk to me about the inception of my chat, how that happened, why it happened, and, and, and what it's blossomed into today in comparison to where it was originally. Well, you know, I've been writing about Disney online since before there was an internet. So back in the days of AOL and CompuServe, there were news groups. Every morning on AOL, you could start a chat room. The, when the last person left a chat room, it would just close and be gone forever. And everything that was said in that room would be gone. It's a little bit like the idea of like a Snapchat, but way back when. Every morning, I would start a group called I Love Disneyland or Disneyland Fun or whatever. 
every single day. I chat as long as I could and then I'd leave. And sometimes I'd come back after dinner or something, go online and people would still be in the room. And I was so excited by it. And then these news groups started, Alt Disney, Disneyland and Rec Arts, Disney Parks and RADP. And I became involved in all of those. And when the internet first started forming, I got involved with a group of people and we all loved Disney. And we started a website called Mouse Planet. But it was a, it was a group and it's still around, but it was a group of people and a lot of big personalities and eventually some of us spun off and that's when Mice Age started with Al Lutz and then I started Mice Chat which was just a chat room just a forum as Al got older he developed Parkinson's disease I really didn't want him to end up in a home so I had to move into my home and I took care of Al for many years and eventually slowly took over his website uh, so that it wouldn't be lost forever and it just kind of merged into Mice Chat we have long since kind of given up on the idea of being a forum because now there's social media. So when we started, there was no Facebook or MySpace or Snapchat or Instagram, you know, none of that stuff no YouTube. And we were sort of a social network before there was a social network. But now we're really like a magazine online because we produce two or three articles every single day and meets and events all over the world, lots of philanthropy. So we've really grown into a different organization that we started as. You always got to reinvent yourself. And we're always looking at what's the next thing for us? What else are we going to do? Because I don't want it to ever stop being. I want it to continue to grow and be something that captures the attention of people that love theme parks. Fantastic. One of my favorite things about Mice Chat is the events. You obviously have been involved with this with Mice Chat. You created it long, you know, quite a while back, have had a lot of events over the years. So talk to me and talk to our audience about some of your favorite Mice Chat events. Well, we do so many incredible things that are race through Disneyland to see who can ride the most rides in a single day, the Gumball Rally. And some people think of that as our pinnacle event. For our anniversary, we always pull together, you know, like our own little mini D23 with panel discussions and authors and meet the Imagineers and so forth. But the events over the years that have meant the most to me are the ones where we put the old legendary Imagineers in front of their fans. And early on when we started doing this, people didn't know who Bob Gurr was or Raleigh hmm. Crump or Alice Davis. We were able to get fans to think about more than just the theme park rides, but think about the people who made those attractions that you love. Nowadays, everybody's doing it and these people are all well-known and there's D23, but there was no D23 when I started doing this. When I went to Alice Davis's house to interview her and she's like, oh, you don't want to hear about me. Why don't I tell you about my husband, Mark Davis? Great, I'll, I'll listen about Mark. But then at the end, ended up talking to her and and we formed a friendship. And for many, many years, every Wednesday, I went up to Alice Davis's house and brought her a sandwich for lunch. And she had very specific instructions on what those sandwiches and sides should be. Uh, and then she would regale me with stories. And the great thing about these older folks that haven't worked for the company in a very long time is they're sort of like me, you know, and I give an honest opinion about something. I love something or I hate something, and I'm not afraid to tell you. That's how all these people are. When you work for the company, you're afraid to say something because you'll lose your job. But when you're no longer working for them anymore, you don't right. care what you say, right? And yes. they tell stories that would curl your hair uh, about people. So I know the dirt on all the early Imagineers. Who liked who? Who dated who? Who was shacking up? <laughs> <laughs> like all of that. And Alice was really the one that unlocked the door. She introduced me to so many people. And boy, I, you know, I just, I can't tell you how rewarding it was for me as somebody who was just a fan loving all 
this stuff to then get involved with and meet and know and form friendships with some of these legendary people. That's amazing. That's awesome. And talk about, you have Mice Chat. You talked about Mice Chat, but there's also, and I've already referred to it, the Mice Pod Network of Podcasts. So again, we're a podcast. I'm a big podcast fan. We like to help promote other podcasts in the theme park universe. So talk about Mice Pod, how that came to be, and maybe a little bit about that. Well, I'll tell you, anything beyond writing and doing events is gravy because there's not a lot of time left in my world. But some time ago, people just kept saying, you know, when is there going to be a Mice Chat podcast? When is going to be a Mice Chat podcast? And I, I would tell people, just read the articles. What do you need a podcast for? <laughs> but I, we started doing it and it was just an immediate success. You know, people love listening to us and we're nerds. You know, I couldn't believe anybody would want to hear anything we have to say beyond you know, what we're writing about, but it's true. I haven't sadly done a podcast in about a year. I mean, I've been doing other people's shows like yours, but I haven't had a lot of time and we've been producing some videos instead. I need to start doing it again, but we do have a lot of different shows, Sweep Spot and Season Pass Podcast, et cetera, that, that we work with. I just think it's the height of talent, what you all do, because after you're done recording this long show, you have to then edit, takes two or three times uh, the time it takes to record it to edit it. Yep. And then you have to put it up and then you have to put the notes on it. And you have to promote it. It's a tremendous amount of work. It's so it much is. harder than writing an article. So I really uh, admire what you all do, what Doug does for us, what you all are doing on your show because you. folks, when you listen to this podcast, it's easy breezy for you to listen to, but it is so hard for them to put together. Yes, we have a podcast network and yes, I love promoting them, but it is so much work. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And, you know, David, he uh, does all the editing for this podcast and he and I, you know, he and I are very close friends and we're also, we are work together again, partners here, uh, you know, producing the show and, and just Coaster Challenge in general, even with the YouTube channel, it was before I was helping him with. And I know how hard it is. And I know how hard it is, not just from David telling me, but I am actually the producer of two podcasts. I also produce the Ace Ride With Us podcast for American Coaster Enthusiasts, which is not, it's a once a month podcast. It's not once a week like this. So it's not quite the level of, of pacing that Coaster Challenge is. But in that podcast, uh, the content there, I not I don't just contact people to interview and put the, uh, the uh, interview slates together with the questions for each guest and do the interviews and all that. I was doing my own editing up until very recently, and I was at IAPA in 2021, last IAPA, working with Ace there, volunteering for Ace, and they informed me that I now have an editor. And mm -hmm. I was I was jumping for joy. I was so happy. I said, this is going to make my life so much easier because doing the interviews and all, even the work, getting the, everything scheduled, everything else I described, yeah, it's, it's time. It's work. But the editing itself is so laborious, as David knows, and I know because I was doing my own editing for a long time. It's a lot of work. It so, is. So, so appreciate your podcasters, folks. Make sure you like what they do and give them a good rating so that more people will see their efforts. Awesome. Thank you, Dusty. And along those lines, again, we here at Coaster Challenge, we don't, we're not out to compete with other podcasts. We're out to help promote others and be you know, all about positivity, facing fear. Our main mission, of course, is all about positivity. 
again, you do more than just mice chat, as you mentioned earlier. I know one of the more interesting things that you've done more recently, gotten involved with, that's a big passion project for you. And I'd like to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit, given how passionate you are about it, is your work with the Walt Disney Mansion there in LA. So uh, tell us about what work you've been doing with them. And I know you did something very interesting uh, Halloween season last year uh, with that. So I'd like to hear about that. Sure. You know, some years ago, I worked with the folks that bought Walt Disney's birthplace in Chicago. And they reached out to me because in part because of my network of fans to see what they could do with that house. And I came on board as the executive director of the Walt Disney birthplace in Chicago. And we saved that house and converted it into a nonprofit, started doing fan events there. And it's just amazing. Through that process, I I eventually ended up at Walt Disney's mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Now, to me, it really speaks to a lot of different things that really kind of summarizes my career and makes me feel like All those people who said it's frivolous to go to theme parks or it's childish to go to theme parks, but now it's really given meaning to what I do because part of what I'm doing is upholding the legacy of Walt Disney, saving historic places from the wrecking ball. Walt Disney was born so humbly in Chicago, Illinois, in a little tiny two-bedroom house. There were seven Disney family members. There was really never a time in Walt's early life that he didn't have to share a room and just about everything else with his older brothers. Then flash forward to his mansion in the Hollywood Hills, which is the last surviving home that Walt ever lived in. And when you see it, it looks like a castle up there on the hill. Mm. It's just spectacular. And you realize that this is a man that embodied the American dream because he went from nothing, literally nothing, um, and without really a formal education by today's standards to become one of the most famous people who ever lived because even all these years after his death and he died in the mid 60s there's probably not a person in this world that doesn't know the name Walt Disney and even more people that know his most famous creation Mickey Mouse that really should let everybody know that no matter what your circumstances or how hard your life is and nobody had a harder life than Walt Disney you can still achieve something and you really just have to have a dream find a way to make it happen keep doing your best to follow your ideals because Walt had so many failures in his life failure after failure and he lost you know many fortunes before he finally achieved success so Failure is just part of life. It's the roller coaster ride, right? Like you guys know, there are peaks and valleys, but there's not just one peak and one valley. They come over and over again, and you just have to continue through the path. That's what it all symbolizes to me. And, you know, so now I'm up there at the house and I'm programming, you know, tours and events. We did do a series of events for Halloween some years ago that I did with a group of people that own a company called Haunted OC, and they produce television shows about haunted houses and things. And they said, could you do a ghost tour? And I'm like, could I do a ghost tour? Yes, this house is so haunted. And so I just gave the honest, you know, ghost tour and people were fainting and needing to be carried out and so forth. They were so scared and we did it by candlelight. So we did candlelight ghost tours and, you know, nothing scarier than walking through an old house, uh, you know, by candlelight. And this one's pretty scary looking (laughs) even during the daytime. Uh, It didn't feel scary when the Disney's lived there because, you know, it was tower of terror style, but that was the style in the 1930s. People wanted Hollywood at its golden age. But now, you know, in retrospect, it does look a little creepy. And at night, terrifying. Yeah, wow, that's that's awesome. I guess the last thing I want to ask you about here before we wrap things up, Dusty, is uh, what advice 
do you have for those that are listening? Kind of want any final advice you have? You shared some great anecdotes, some great lessons, but anything else you want to share in that regard? You know, I sort of gave the advice earlier, and I, I like to tell people this all the time. If you're asking for advice on how do I become, you know, a theme park writer or blogger or whatever, I always tell people, look at what they space has become. There are a million theme park writers out there all doing, you know, various things. And today with social media, everyone is an influencer. You have to ask yourself, what is it that you bring to the table? What's your area of expertise and what would you write about? Because if you're just doing what someone else does, your message will never compete with somebody who's been established longer. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't get involved and you should find your own voice your own take. And beyond that, I really encourage people in the industry to be honest. I think so many people are worried about the gravy train. They want to get invited to events or they want the free gift to come in the mail. And so they're afraid to be honest. You won't get far as a human being if you're always beholden to another human being because you want a handout. Don't be afraid to be honest. If you love something, say it. But if you're concerned about something or don't like something, don't be afraid to say that. Um, have a real voice and make a difference. And I think part of the reason why some theme parks are struggling right now is because they had too many fans willing to make excuses for their mistakes rather than calling them out. And now they're doubling down on mistakes and they're, it's too late. Now the fans are turning on them. And it's because the fans themselves put the, the company in that position. And so I blame the fans for where Disney is headed today. Um, because yeah, if the fans had yeah. just stood up for what they really wanted 10 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. Couldn't agree with you more there. Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, we want to wrap things up here, but that we could spend a couple hours just on that topic. Maybe another time we'll have you on to talk more about Disney there. Because I definitely some, share some things there as a Disney fan and Disney pass over here in Florida. But, you know, good advice there. I like it. And here on Coaster Challenge Podcast, you know, where, again, we're all inclusive. We have people from different political backgrounds, different states, homosexual, et cetera. We're, you know, same with our guests that we've had on. We're very all inclusive. But, you know, in terms of what we cover, the theme park industry, roller coasters, we are not afraid to criticize. I'm a huge Universal fan. People hear me talk about Universal, about Velocicoaster, everything else. But I criticize Universal as podcast, you know, in a fair manner that that is, you know, makes sense and, and is honest. And yeah, I mean, it, we can't just be all about doling out the love. We, we try to be honest and fair. So that's a good, good advice. I appreciate that. So lastly, Dusty, just the one last thing to wrap things up. If you could share, we've talked about some of these things, but if you could share where people can find you and the things that you represent, Mice Chat and maybe the Walt Disney Mansion, you know, websites, social media, where can people find you? podcasts, et cetera. It's easier than ever because I think we're just about <laughs> everywhere now. We have so many writers on the team. In the last year, we had over 57 people write an article or do a video uh. or a podcast with us. If you look for Mice Chat on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, you will find us. Eventually, you will find us on what's the one now where everybody's dancing on, on um, the social media platform. That I, that I hate. Oh. Which one? Is it Instagram you're referring to? What? No, we're on Instagram. But there's the one where the kids, you know, they do all the video and they-, they Oh, the dance. TikTok? TikTok. Oh, yeah. Even be, I'm going to sound like my grandmother now. We'll be on the TikTok. We'll be ticking and talking soon enough. And of course, you can always find our podcast, My Chat Podcast and some other things. So we're everywhere. It's, it's fun. I mean, I, I enjoy doing new things. And it's like I talked to you about earlier with the roller coasters. I'll try anything once. So you might find me dancing on TikTok soon. 
Maybe that's how I'll get the news out. You know, sort of like Morris code. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Dusty. Well, I'll, I'm sure we'll be out uh, looking for you dancing on TikTok soon. And appreciate that. Thanks for your time today. It was great uh, getting to know you better, getting to know all about uh, the work you've done with Mice Chat, the Walt Disney Mansion, and everything else. Thank you for your time. Oh, my goodness. My pleasure. And I have to tell you, I really enjoyed this. You are like the Dr. Phil of coasters because this was like a therapy session. You know, can you tell us more about how that made you feel? I loved it. Awesome. Again, this was, this awesome. was so much fun. This is a great thrill ride. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Dusty. I am like amazed at how you guys came up with this whole theme of a gumball rally and getting involved with Disney to begin with. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, Disney's our backyard home park. It is. I love going there and getting to go on these rides actually look for things that you wouldn't normally look for was awesome. Yeah, I, I actually, out of all the years I've gone to Disneyland, there were some questions in that book that when we did it this year, Jen, there were some questions in there that I didn't even realize were in some of the attractions. I was like, like for example, Space Mountain, there was a question. It was regarding how many lights shine on the wall in front of the train before you go on the ride. And how many times does it blink? And it actually changes. I didn't pay attention to that until they actually brought up that question. I was like, huh, that was really impressive. I did not know that they can do certain tricks. I was like, it's just like there's certain little hidden gems inside some of the rides, like in Pirates, the Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain. It was just amazing. Yeah, the, but the, the key thing was we didn't lose points if we couldn't answer it. So if you didn't have the right answer, if you left it blank, you didn't get knocked for points. True. But if you put down the wrong answer, then you got knocked for points. And there was answer, there was questions in there, like the Tiki Room. It asked you about the, the waterfall and what one of the birds said. And remember I said, I think the, the answers were both yes. And I ended up being wrong. On the second question, it was a no. So, I mean, it just, you don't really realize what actually, what's going on in these rides until you are looking asked at something and asked a question and you're like, oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's this. I don't know for sure. And you have to go on the ride and you look at it and you're like, it, oh, wow, that really wasn't the answer. So that was, I, I loved it. I, I think it was the best thing ever. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it next year. I think this time we'll have the entire Coaster Challenge podcast team out again for that. That will be really fun. But anyway, guys, that this was a really fun month of celebrating Mice Chat. I really want to thank Chloe, Doug, Robert, and Dusty for giving us the, the honor, the opportunity to be able to help promote, celebrate what they do. They've been doing this for a very long time, guys. They put so much love and hard work into this, and I want them to know on behalf of everybody on the Coaster Challenge Podcast team, we thank you guys for your service, for everything you've done, making all, making Disney more fun by us creating the events that you create. And I just want to say thank you. It was really awesome. And if you guys want more information, the Mice Chat links will be in our show notes. But Justin, how can our listeners be able to find us on social media? If you enjoyed today's episode, 
Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see more from us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description. Thank you, Justin. Yes, guys, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to like us on your favorite podcast. Make sure to subscribe. We really need all the subscriptions here. We need your help and love and support out there. We put a lot of hard work into this podcast, and we love doing what we do. We want to keep growing. Yep, we want to keep growing out there. So every time, all you have to do is just hit a button and just give us a thumbs up and hit that subscription button. We're on every social media platform, so make sure to follow us so we can get the latest information of what we're doing, what events we're doing, what episodes are coming out. But in the meantime... June is around the corner, Jen. Just closing out the month of May. The the official start of summer. School's about to close. Now everyone's about to plan out their trips. In the meantime, guys, I hope you all have a wonderful summer. In the meantime, this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. We'll see you all next week right here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. If you're heading off to Disney and don't know where to start, put yourself over to my channel. They take the dizzy out of Disney